Well, it's uh, good to be with you again this morning, and uh, as Pastor Brent announced, it is Palm Sunday, and he also announced, I'm not preaching about Palm Sunday, uh, and I don't know how you feel about that, but uh, we, can, we can make it, kind of make it Palm Sunday by waving palms. Yeah, there we go, okay, I got somebody, somebody, yeah! Palm Sunday. All right, some of you are with me. Hey, some really important announcements to pass on to you, and I, I hope you're dialed in now, and uh, you know, if you want to do Facebook, do that while I preach. But listen now. Uh, tonight, uh, at uh, we're scheduled for 5.30 for the big reveal. Now, please come, though, a little bit early, like five o'clock or so, because we'll have refreshments out there, and so if you want to get together with church family, we, we built in that half hour so you can just kind of get together and chat and have a little bit of food and just kind of relax together before the meeting at 5.30. At 5.30 tonight, as I said, it's the, the big reveal, and my boss, uh, who is Lonnie, uh, is coming in to lead us through our time together. And when I say it's the big reveal, I'm meaning to say that uh, it's the report, it's the sharing of the report that's been generated by that big all-church assessment that we had together a um, couple of months ago now, something like that. And he, he will have, uh, we'll have a big screen set up here. He'll go through lots of PowerPoint slides and share a lot of information with you. And it will reveal a lot about about your church. You know, the, it'll highlight the things that you're really good at. It'll highlight the things uh, that, that indicate we, there are areas that we need to work on. And it'll be a really, really good, good night tonight. So please be here tonight, 5 o'clock for fellowship and some refreshments. And then 5.30, we will, <clears throat> we'll, we will begin the meeting. And then, of course, next Sunday is Easter and we have three services, the time are there in your program, and uh, man, just this is a great opportunity for you to invite someone that doesn't ordinarily come to church to just come to church with you. If you'll take uh, that opportunity, this opportunity, this Easter season, as an opportunity to invite somebody that doesn't go to church anywhere, the odds are they'll come. You know, if, if it's a friend of yours, uh, they'll come. So uh, next week will be a really, really big week here in the life of the church. Three services. Take special note of the time printed in your program. And then uh, two weeks from tonight, we have scheduled what we're calling uh, a town hall meeting. And we simply mean that we want to invite uh, all of you to come together Sunday night at 530 and uh, first service, second service, all come together, and we have really a, a, some information, a lot of information to share with you. Uh, I, I want to tell you that the leadership team has made uh, a lot of significant positive uh, progress in searching for your next pastor. So I, I want you to be encouraged about that. So we'll talk about that two weeks from tonight. We'll also talk a little bit about uh, the transition team, and we'll talk a little bit about the report. 
but it's also an opportunity for uh, you to just ask questions. You know, we'll open up the floor, and that's something that we can't really do uh, very well in a setting like this on a Sunday morning. But that town hall meeting will be a little bit more informal, and, and uh, we, we would love to he hear your, your feedback. And so uh, that'll be two weeks from tonight at 5.30. So a lot going on, and it's all good. And I'm excited to be able to share that with you. There's a really um, important novel that was written uh, years ago, and I confess I don't remember the title of the novel, but I'll, I'll never forget <clears throat> one of the scenes in that novel. And it's, it's of a father and son in a car, and they live out in the country, and they're driving to town. And as they get close to town, they notice that there's a crowd, and there's cars that have stopped in the middle of the road. And as they get close to the center of town, and they look at some of these tall buildings down in the downtown area, they see that there's a young man perched on the ledge up about three stories from the ground. And he's threatening to jump. And so the man stops the car, and the son and the man lean forward and they look up at that ledge, and the unthinkable happens. This young man steps out into the unknown and plunges to the ground and is killed. The father starts the car back up, turns, and they start to drive away. And the son looks at his dad, and he notices that his dad is weeping. And the son says, Dad, why are you crying? You, you didn't? You didn't even know that young man. And the dad says, I, I'm not crying because he died. I'm crying because he never lived. I thought about that line many, many times. And I've come to realize lately that that line can be used of a lot of churches. In fact, way too many churches uh, in, in our country today um, that many churches, and we've been talking about this, are, it seems, in a death spiral, and they're headed towards certain death. And it's sad on so many levels, but one of the levels that we can really say it's the saddest is that it's sad because they've never lived. They've never accomplished their purpose of being a relevant church that changes the lives of people around them and never it positively impacts their community and that's really, really, really sad. You know, churches like that spend, it seems, their entire lives being irrelevant. They just, they never, they never connect. And they, the reason they never connect with anybody outside the walls of their church is that they're really busy being focused on themselves. I mean, it's all about themselves. I thought about, about my own ministry, um, and don't let this scare you, by the way, but the first two churches I have pastored have now closed. Don't let this scare you, by the way. They, I mean, this was a long time ago. They were small churches, and they were inwardly focused. I, I mean, it was, all, it was all about them, and everybody outside the walls of, that, of those two little churches, those were the enemies. You see? 
It's all about us. And so they, when I arrived on the scene, they were in this death spiral, and finally they died, and that's really, really tragic. I think that's one of the reasons why I wanted to take some time and talk to you about what it means to be a relevant church. And so we've been working our way through trying to figure out what that means and what a relevant church looks like. And I began by talking about how a relevant church embraces their birth story. And then we talked about how a relevant church is empowered by their message and by this wonderful message of transformation and how that message brings hope to a world that is without hope and that's really a relevant, relevant message. And then if you were here last week, you'll remember, maybe, that we talked about uh, a relevant church focuses on the mission. We are to be ambassadors of Jesus Christ, and we are to share this incredible message with people around us. So now today, here we are in our last look of what it means to be a relevant church And I'm suggesting that to be a relevant church, it means that we live productively. And by that, I'm meaning to say that we become a church that we don't waste our life as a church. Every church has a life cycle. In fact, one of the things that Lonnie will talk about tonight is the life cycle of a church. And he'll, he'll show you where you are on a graph in terms of, of your, of your life cycle. But it's this idea that we can't waste our time together as a church. And the way we live productively is by putting these, it starts by putting these other lessons together, by embracing our birth story and realizing we're empowered by this wonderful message and realize that we have this this mission that, that we are to accomplish. So when you now begin to think about this ministry of reconciliation that we have and this mission of the church to reach those that are around us, this ministry of reconciliation can be symbolized by this, an outstretched outstretched hand, you know, to, to reach out, this ministry of reconciliation to reach out to other, this outstretched arm with an, with an open hand. Now think of what the opposite of that image looks like, you know? The opposite of that image is this, a clenched fist that's pulled up like this. That's, that's the opposite of that kind of image. And by the way, I suggest right now that this is the image or the symbol of a relevant church This is the image of a church that is irrelevant, this clenched fist, this defiance, this this no connection uh, with God, this idea that we don't want to connect with anybody else. In fact, if we want to do anything, if we're going to do anything at all, we're going to fight, you know. It's hard to connect with a clenched fist. Do you ever shake anybody's hand and they stuck their hand out and it was clenched? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's difficult. And so I, I, I want to suggest to you this imagery is really powerful. That if we're going to be a, a relevant church, we, 
we have to have this outstretched arm with an open hand. And that way we can reach and we can connect with an open hand. So this idea of being a relevant church, it's this, it's this idea of extending an arm with, with this open hand. It's about reaching. It's about connecting. It's about reconciliation. It, it's, it's all of that. Now, when we think about the, about the early church, I, I, I'm convinced that the early church is a model of what it means to be a relevant church. And when you read the opening chapters in the book of Acts, you, you'll see that. I mean, they impacted those around them. They impacted their community. And so the early church really is, a, is an example of what it means to be relevant in your culture and relevant to those that are around you. And so I found a passage of Scripture that I want to read in, in just a moment that talks to us about what it means to be a relevant church and as I read it, here's my challenge to you. Look for at least three examples of, an, of a reach out with an open hand, or at least the open hand. So let me read Acts chapter 2, beginning at verse 42, and we'll read down through verse 47. Acts 2, 42. The early church, a relevant church. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. I read that passage over and I thought, wow, there are there are three different reaches in that passage of Scripture that we can kind of highlight this morning that will help us to, to live productively and become a, become a relevant church. I, I, I looked at this and I saw, first of all, that, that uh, the early church teaches us that to be productive and to be a relevant church, we have to first of all, have an upward reach. And I'm looking at verse 47a, the beginning of verse 47. And it simply says, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. In an earlier sermon, I, I mentioned that, that's, that this message of transformation begins when we become in right relationship with God. And surely, this is where it all starts. Without first reaching upward as a church or reaching up as an individual, we don't really have anything. It's this message of transformation that's all about being reconciled with God. And if we're going to be reconciled with God, we reach up to God. And we reach up to God not like this, 
but with the open hand. It's, it's the upward reach, and I see it here in, in this text. Now, it really ought to be no surprise to you, and it probably isn't, that part of the life of the church is, is corporate worship. It's about getting together, as we did just a few moments ago, and reach our hearts and our hands up to God in an effort to connect with Him. It's coming together. Brothers and sisters in Christ and reaching our hand upward to God. And I think that's really where it all begins, this idea of, of learning to connect with God. Now, there are people today who say, I don't need the church. And they are, and a lot of folk are leaving the church, and that's probably no surprise to you. But people who leave the church and decide they're going to worship God uh, when they go out moose hunting or go fishing on the lake, that's where I worship God best. And by the way, I think you can, at least at some extent, in some ways, worship God out in nature because God created all that. But these folks that say, I'm just going to go out here and I'm never going to go to church. I'm just going to connect with God. They, they miss all that. They, they miss this idea of a corporate coming together and a corporate reaching up and corporately together connecting with God, this upward reach. And here's a newsflash. You can't really do that when you stay home on Sunday morning and watch Joe Olstein on TV. Did I say that out loud? Wow! Uh, and and I'm, not, I'm not throwing him under the bus, but, I, but I'm saying there is something special about coming together as the family of God and worshiping Him and stretching our hands, our arms upward to God. And some of you do that literally, some of you, that's not your thing, and that's okay. But when we sing, your heart, I'm sure, or at least I hope so, is reaching up to God. You, you are connecting with God. It's, it's this whole idea of this upward reach. I remember a while back reading an article, and the title of it was, Why I'm Walking Away from the Church. So it had this long, reasoned uh, response to why I'm walking away from the church and you know, building a case for worshiping or uh, serving God all by myself. And I get that the church isn't perfect, and I get that sometimes as the church we fail. Trust, trust me, I, 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 I get all that. But when you make the decision to walk away from the church, and say, I'm going to do this by myself, you miss this wonderful corporate reaching upward to God and connecting with God. And we, we see this connecting corporately with God in this passage of Scripture. They're reaching their hand, either literally or figuratively, upward to God, praising God, connecting, reaching up from down in here, reaching up to God and connecting, and enjoying the favor of all the people. And I think that's where it starts if we're going to be relevant. It starts with God. It doesn't start with us. 
It starts when we begin to connect with God and reaching up beyond ourselves and we worship Him. So there is, in the early church, the model of what it means to be relevant, there is there this first thing that I'm highlighting, this upward reach. Well, you might guess there's another reach, and I want to highlight that, and that's in verse 42. Let me just read verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. We see modeled here that in the life of the early church, a relevant church, there is not only an upward reach, but there's an inward reach. There's this reaching down on the inside. Life in the church is not just a morning worship service. It, it, it must go beyond that. It's about helping build the body. It's about plugging in. It's about getting involved. And it's about personal spiritual growth. Now, I've come to realize that when we have true authentic worship, when we have true authentic reaching up to God and focusing on God and getting a vision of who God is, that generates an inward look. When we see God high and holy and without fault, without blame, without sin, all of a sudden we go, oh my. You see, this comparison thing. Now, let me just add that one of the most dangerous things you can do spiritually is to compare yourself to other people. Because you can always find somebody that's worse off uh, than you spiritually. You know? I mean, uh, man, you could be a horrible, horrible person, you know? And you could say, well, at least I'm not Hitler, you know? At least I'm not a serial killer. And so we look at somebody else and we say, oh, I'm not so bad. That's really, that's really a dangerous thing to do. But I'm saying that when we start with worship, and, and I, think, I think corporate worship makes it special, and we, we see God high and lifted up, and then we begin to think about ourselves and how unlike God we are. That's why we sing praises to Him, because He's the Holy One, and we're not. He's the perfect one, and we're not. He's got it all figured out, and we don't. So then we begin to look down on the inside, and we begin to compare ourselves to God, and we say to ourselves, ooh, ooh, I'm in trouble. Now, I don't know if you know the story in the Old Testament or not of uh, found in Isaiah chapter 6, and I don't have any text to put up on the screen. But it's that story of the prophet Isaiah being in the sanctuary with God. And he is worshiping God. And he gets this vision of God, and he says, I see, I see the Lord God high and lifted up, and 
the glory of his train filled the temple. And he just got this wonderful, majestic view of a, of a holy God, creator God. And he's like, wow. And then all of a sudden, in the text, it says, in Isaiah 6, he says, oh, and the, the words are, woe is me. <laughs> what woe? <laughs> I am undone. Because he recognizes he is far from being God. He is far from perfect. He's got a lot of work that needs to be done. And see, in, in true worship, that's what happens. We, we get this vision of the splendor and the magnificence of God, and we're like, oh, no. Isaiah, woe is me. I am undone. So life, life in a relevant church means that we look up, that we reach up to God, but then it also means that we look inside of ourselves when we see the wonder and majesty of God. We recognize our shortcomings. We do this self-examination. And I see that in, in the text that we read a, a, a moment ago. That these apostles are doing all these things. They're teaching and they're understanding what it means to fall short of God's glory. And they're coming to understand how, how do they do better? How, how can they improve in their relationship with God? And they do all of these things. So in a relevant church, we ought to be challenged to be more like Christ. We ought to reach inside of ourselves and say, how can I do better in my relationship with God? Now, one of the things I've learned across the years dealing with many, many churches is that you almost always you have people who say, I don't know, sometimes when I leave this church, I don't feel as happy as when I came. And then they go on and say, I'm going to go find a church where every time I leave the Sunday morning service, I feel good. Because I, I want to I feel good. And, and, and I get that. I mean, I, I, I understand that. I mean, I, I like to be happy. I'm not a fan of being sad or, you know, struggling. I, I, I'm not a fan of that. But I, I, I want to remind you this morning that the goal of the church and the goal that God has for you is not to make you happy. This is not the goal of the church. Are you disappointed? <laughs> like, oh, the goal of the church, the goal that God has for you, the goal is to make you good. Not just to make you happy. And, you know, be happy. That's great. I, I like to be happy but I'm way more concerned that God does a work in me that makes me become conformed to the image of his son, Jesus Christ. And sometimes that means that I'm sad because I'm not where I ought to be. And sometimes that means I have to face some hard realities about myself. It means that I have to struggle with this idea that I've, I've got some things in my life that I've got to give up, but I'm not Trust me, happy about that. 
See, the goal of the church, God's goal for you, isn't always to make you happy every moment. The goal is for, for you to be, become good. That's why, that's why in church, and I think a relevant church, you are challenged to take the inward reach seriously. A challenge to, to get a hold of God, reach up to God, and what is it that God wants to do for you here on the inside? And trust me, it's not just that God wants to make you happy. He wants to make you a better person. And so in a relevant church, I think we have, we have to take that seriously. We, we have to struggle to become more and more like Christ. And sometimes that, that's, that's, a difficult, that's a difficult process. Now, if you still don't like that, let me ask the question. If you're like, well, the church shouldn't make me, the church shouldn't really challenge me. They should just make me feel good and we'll sing a lot of nice songs together. So here's my question. Who is going to challenge you to become better spiritually? Where, where is that challenge going to come from? I mean, like tomorrow morning when you go to work and you, let's say you have an office meeting, is your boss going to stand up and say, I'm glad we're all here, and before we get down to business, let me ask, uh, where are you at in your spiritual life? That might happen if you work at Samaritan's Purse or Barnabas, Bar, you know, the Barnabas ministry and all that. I, I don't know. But so, or, or, or are you going to have a, a, a family get-together? Like, say, the 4th of July, the family all gets together. and are, you know, are, are, are they going to say, you know, um, here's where I am at my spiritual life, and I've discovered a great way to, to uh, begin to understand the Bible, and you share with me. What, how's it going in your spiritual life? And I'm, I'm just simply saying if we aren't challenged to improve our lives spiritually here, then where? You see. So, there's, so there is that, that inward reach so that we can begin to grow and become what God wants us to become. And now there's one more reach. The upward reach, the inward reach, and then verse, uh, the last part of verse 47 this idea of the outward reach, and I love that, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This outward reach. Now, you see the flow. Starts with God, connecting, reaching up to Him, and then we say, oh, like Isaiah, woe is me, I'm a person of unclean lips. How can I do better? And so we have this, this inward reach, but I have this theory that once we get this down and we get this down, it will equal this. That the upward reach plus the inward reach equals the outward reach. There just seems to be, at least in the text, and at least as I, as I read this passage of Scripture, there seems to be something natural that happens when we connect with God, reach up to God, when we reach inside of ourselves, how can we do better? And then we start to think about other people now that we've connected this way, 
now that we've reached in and connected this way, and then we can begin to do the ministry of reconciliation with this great message of transformation that generates hope. We begin to reach out to each other or reach out to those that are outside of the church. I would think that if we do this and this, that reaching out ought to start to dominate our life. It dominated the life of the early church, and we see, we see it here. That every day, people were being added to the faith. Now, in my younger years, I, I remember reading that verse, and I, I remember thinking, man, if we could just figure out how did they do it? What program did they use? What's the method? What did they memorize? What was the, you know, and I suppose people have written some books on that. But I, I've come to understand that they didn't do it. Look closely at that on the, on the screen. It didn't say, and they added to their number, does it? And the Lord, the Lord added. God, God does it. And so my, my, my theory that I believe is true is that when we get this down and this down, then this starts to happen. We really start to begin to care about people that are outside of our faith and outside of our world. Again, think about the story of Isaiah in chapter 6. He's in the temple and he's getting this wonderful, wonderful view of God. He's reaching up and then that moment, woe is me, I'm a man of unclean lips. And he reaches in, begins to examine himself. And then God says to him, who shall I send? Who shall I send? And in that moment, after doing this, Isaiah, doing this, doing this, Isaiah says, Here am I! Send me! The upward reach, the inward reach, the outward reach. And that's how we become relevant because when we start to have the outward reach we're going to change our community and we're going to change our neighbor we're going to change those people that are out there that don't yet know there's a god that loves them that's the kind of church i want to be a part of stand with me and let me pray Father, we're thankful this morning for this challenge from your word. And we just simply pray, help us to be relevant. Help us not to be a church that falls into some sort of death spiral. But help us to be alive. Help us to be vibrant. Help us to understand the importance of these three reaches. And Father, I pray that you would help it to begin with me. In Jesus' name, amen.